Good morning. So, we are doing today Sefer HaMitzvos, Mitzvah number four, which is a mitzvah of Yiras Hashem, fearing God, or maybe we will redefine it towards the end of today's shir. This comes following the mitzvah of Ahavas Hashem, loving God, which we discussed a few weeks ago, command to love God, and we discussed that came about either through learning Torah or contemplating the universe, contemplating the science, and if you recall, the Rambam says, when you look at the natural world, you contemplate God's majesty and also the intricacies of the universe, immediately you come to love God, and you want to know who this amazing being that created everything, but then we also saw then, a little foreshadowing, but then there's also a recoil of, you kind of step back, there's this almost awe that pervades you of, wow, I'm, just, I'm a nothing, I'm a puny little human mortal, compared to the great infinite being. So let's see how the Rambam, however, formulates it in the Sefer HaMitzvot, because he does it slightly different than he does in that Mishnah Torah that we saw a few weeks ago. Right? The Mishnah Torah, again, it's more of an awe, a reverence of a recoil of, look at the majesty of God, look at this magnificent, this magnificent world, and I'm a nothing, but look how he formulates it in the Rambam, Mitzvah number four. Yeah? Number one is more than number two. In terms of what? The mitzvahs? Yeah. No, I don't think so. He's counting them. Who should see vino lahamen yiraso yisala lafachin yimenu? The command is to believe in his uh, in his fear in the fear to fear to fear and to uh, to again two different words to be afraid of him. And not to be like those heretics who walk with the surest lay, those who are brazen-hearted, who kind of say that the world is by chance, that I, I can do what I want, there is no, there's, there's no authority, there's no, there's no one who's watching over me, I can, I can do whatever, the, whatever my desires and whims may be. There's no, there's no authority in this world. The focus is, if you notice, is not on God as this amazing almighty, but more on God as the lawgiver and the man as someone who has to respond to the command, right? Don't be like those who say, I'm just going to walk, Mishir is slave, if you recall, that's what Simon spoke about before, before the Slichos. I could do what I want. No, that, that's not what it is. You have to have a certain year of fear. As the Pesach says, um, you should always have a fear of the punishment, of the consequences that will, that will take place if you don't follow God's word. And this is the meaning for the Pasik, when the, when, the, when the verse tells us in Devarim, you should fear your God, what does that mean? You should always have in mind, what are the consequences to not following God's word? This is the Rambam. And then he goes on to say, included within this is also the prohibition, both the negative prohibition, but he formulates in the positive, of also not saying God's name in vain. Can't say not God's name in vain, just to, to, to just say God's name, that there's a, there's a certain lack of fear there, a certain lack of fear. If you really cared about something, you really feared something, so then you, would, uh, you wouldn't just say the name in vain. What's the, what's the famous line from the great Rabbi Dumbledore? What, is, what did Dumbledore say to Harry in the end of Harry Potter book one? Fear of the name increases fear of the thing itself. Everyone here know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. So there's, there's, it's, a, it's a very similar idea that you, 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 if you, if you have fear of the name, that, includes, that increases the fear of the thing itself. So that's how the Raman formulates it here in Sefer Mitzvos. It's very much focused on 
you have to live a life where you're constantly thinking about what are the consequences to following God's word and not following God's word. And in the event you don't follow God's word, there's a there are consequences, and therefore you want to refrain from that. Hashem, if I, I fear you. I fear what will, that will come. This is also followed up. If you look in the Ibn Ezra, this is found on that pasuk. What does it mean to fear God? You shouldn't violate the negative precepts. That's what it means to fear God. Don't be in violation of negative precepts. He's like, oh, that piece of uh, that piece of chazi, that pig looks delicious. I'm not going to do that. I, I have a fear of God. I know what can happen to me. Uh, in fact, the Ibn Ezra writes in Kohelis that at the end of Kohelis, the, the, what's the last verse of Kohelis? The, the, the end of all things is that you should have been here on the second. This would have been very helpful. But um, that, the, the end of all things is, is, is the fear of God. Is the, for man to, is the man to fear God. And the, and the Ebenezer reason is the Iker kol Adam. What's the, 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 the Iker? The most important part of man that is the fear of God. That's what makes man human being. That's what makes us. That, that's what makes us. That's what makes man the whole man. It's to have this fear of God to live with a certain fear so that you can follow God's word. So that's what he says. Um, Interestingly, just one more point on this, then before I'm going to develop it a little more, the Radvaz has, a, has also a Sefer HaMitzvos, and he says, that from a technical perspective, every mitzvah and every losa say, there's a moment when you can follow it and you fulfill the dictum, and there's a moment when you violate it. For instance, when you blow shofar, when do you fulfill the command? When you hear the sound of the shofar, or when you hear the appropriate amount of sounds of the shofar. When do you violate the prohibition of, let's say, eating pig? We just brought up. So when you have the olives worth of the pig. Okay, because I is for the pig. Says the uh, Redvaz, if you're telling me there's a command to fear God, so when are you in violation or when do you fulfill this command? Is it every second I don't do a mitzvah, so then I'm, I don't do an avera, I'm, I'm fulfilling this command? When exactly is this command being fulfilled? It's an interesting question, no? Is it every moment? Is it just... So the Redvaz says as follows. What? You see, usually that's the chinuch. The Sefer Chinuch says it's one, there's a couple of mitzvahs, six mitzvahs. The Sefer Chinuch believes that you can fulfill every single moment. The Radvaz says differently. He says When do you violate the positive command to fear God? As in, when are you not in fulfillment of it? So he says as follows: when you are in violation of a Avera, you, let's say, I don't know, don't put on sitzes that morning. You don't put on tefillin. You don't blow shofar. And then you say, you know what? Not only am I, I didn't put on, whatever, put on sitzes. I didn't lay tefillin. I didn't blow shofar today. I don't care. I don't want to do tshuva. I don't care about it. Big deal. I'll go on with my life. Life will go on as normal. That's the moment, he says, you're in violation of Yerush Hashem. It's not when you sin. It's when you say, I sin and I don't care. That's what you're saying, essentially, I have no fear of God. God gave a command. We all make mistakes. I think they, I don't know what, I think they teach in JEC, it's the newest thing that they're teaching Zevi, is try your hardest. So I'll say to Zevi, uh, can you go clean your room? He goes, I'll try my hardest. <laughs> so now anytime he does anything, like, Zevi, why did you just hit Chai? He goes, I tried my hardest. <laughs> no, no, you're supposed to try your hardest not to hit him. Okay. <laughs> so what the Ravaz is saying, try your hardest. You mess up, you make a mistake, you fall. That's part of life, we make mistakes. That's not when you're in violation of not fearing God. The violation of not fearing God, he says, is when you say, you know what, I don't care. I made a mistake, so what? Big deal. Who cares? Who knows? I didn't put on tefillin today. I didn't wear tzitzit today. I didn't whatever you name, whatever other mitzvah it was. 
Does anyone really care? God has many other problems to look at. He doesn't really care about me. That's the moment. Wait one second. That's the moment he says when you're in violation of not fearing God. Yeah. Spitefully not doing it, as opposed to being indifferent. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. That, that's it. This is more of after the fact. And he says, he goes, they also tshuva. Therefore, let's say a person does sin, and they do tshuva, and they feel they feel remorseful. I feel show me yours onish. Even if they do tshuva, and the only impetus for the tshuva is not because they want to re- re- return to God, not because they want to repair the relationship they had with the Almighty, but it's really because they're afraid of the consequences, which is a lower level of tshuva. Which we'll see in a minute. There are multiple levels of tshuva. There's the tshuva one does out of ava, out of love. There's the tshuva one does because they are fearful of the consequences, which is already, by the way, telling us maybe a little bit of your question. There's a hierarchical um, structure here of loving God versus fearing God. Fearing seems to be a little lower. You do tshuva out of love. You do tshuva out of fear, out of the consequences, it's a little lower, it's a little lesser. It's part of probably because the reason why we have the Torah and all the mitzvahs is to supposed to ingrain within us and train us to be the best people we can be. And we all know. And just think of educating our own children. When they do things, not because it's the right thing to do, but because they're afraid that we're going to punish them, we're not actually educating them then. We're just preventing them from doing whatever it may be, which, again, it has its purpose, and we don't want them, I don't know, whatever it may be. We don't want them staying up at 10 o'clock at, at, night, every, you know, at night every night. I don't want Zabby staying up at 10 o'clock every night. <laughs> but the reason I don't want him staying up, because I don't, I don't want to stay at 10 o'clock, exactly, Ellie. The reason I don't want you staying up at 10 o'clock every night is not because... I don't want you to you know you're afraid, afraid of you know, not getting dessert the next day. It's because it's, it's bad for you, or whatever it may be. You, you name it. I don't. You shouldn't litter because it's the wrong thing to do. I may tell them don't litter because I will punish you. But again, it's not the the fear of the punishment should never be the actual impetus and reason for why you don't do what's wrong. So again, the fear of sin, fear the Yiras Hashem, seemingly that being the impetus, that being the reason for why we do mitzvot should be seemingly is a lower level. But even that, then says the Radvaz, if you do tshuva, because of the fear of the consequence, you still are in fulfillment of this dictum of Yeras Hashem. It's not a full and complete service of God. You still fulfill fearing God. So what the Radvaz is telling us is, I think it's very interesting. We're supposed to fear God. What does it mean to fear God? It means not to sin. The Radvaz says what it really means is not to sin and then say, I don't care. And if you do tshuva, so then you are in fulfillment of fearing God. This is what the Radvaz says. Okay. The, no, I'm going to get to the Rambam. Okay. So that's what we have so far. We have, we have the Rambam who says fearing God means don't sin. We have the Ram, we have the Radvaz who says it means don't, don't refrain or, or don't say I'm not going to do tshuva. The um, the Rambam that we also saw a few weeks ago, which we'll read inside now, seems to however put a different spin on it. He says, How does one? I forgot to put this in the source sheets. How does one come to love? I mean, actually, it is in the source sheets. Excuse me. How does one come to love and fear God? When a person sits there and contemplates the great acts and creations and wonders and greatness of of God. He sees the intricacies, the brilliance of the creation of the world. There's no end to the wonder. You just even think about, take any item and just break it down to, it, to its molecule, to the atom, break the atom down. It's just it's unbelievable how much, how intricate the world is. He 
immediately. And again, if you remember, we quoted from Aktorsky, you have to be attuned to this. You have to train yourself to realize that everything comes from God. If you, if you have that relationship with God, then immediately what's going to happen? You're going to want to know God. You want to know, how, who is this? How, 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 like, who is this awesome being? As David says, Fine. And then here is the flip side. But what happens? What happens once you come to recognize and see the awesome God? When you start delving into who is God and re- looking at the universe, miyad immediately there's a recoil. You, you recoil backwards. You're fearful. You realize who are you in the scheme, in the, in, in the scheme of this creation. You're a little tiny thing. Shvela, hunched over, tiny. Afela omedes bedas kala. A puny little thing, mueta, lefne tamadeos. You're a nothing compared to the infinite being. It's a, it's a recoil. So what he's trying, what, what he's saying over here is that there is a, another way to look at Yira. Don't look at his fear of God because of sin, but almost what it's called is Yira's Haromimus. It's an awe. In awe, just look at, look at God. Look how awesome God is in relation to little puny me. And I think it's less about, I'm going to follow God's word because I'm afraid that he's going to strike me down. That's not what it's about. It's just an awe component to it. There's a, just a wonder component to it. In fact, I think the, another way to formulate it is that the Ram says elsewhere, there's a Gemara, well, part this way, the, the Gemara, the Gemara is invoked often when we talk about divine providence. The Gemara says, Hakol Shemayim, everything comes from heaven, chutz, with the exception of Yiras Shemayim, fear of heaven. So what does that mean? Everything's from heaven except Yiras Shemayim. So there are some who take this very expansively, I believe Rashi is one of them, and says, meaning the, your fear of heaven, that is up to you to determine. But everything else comes from heaven. The Rambam, however, totally limits what it means, Hakobide Shemayim, and opens up what Yerushimayim is to, to a much greater extent. And the Rambam says as follows, that the, the entire expanse of an entire range of human activities falls under Yerushimayim. He says how tall you are, how short you are, how smart you are, how, how, how intelligent you are, that, that's, that's God determines. Those are things that, those are genetic, that comes when you're born. But everything else, every decision you make in your life, that's subsumed under Yerushimayim. That's subsumed under the choices you make. And you have an ability to make choices, and you have the ability to make choices with God in mind. Yerush, that's what Yerushimayim is. Yerushimayim is the entire range of human activities and the way in which you refract Yerushimayim, the fear of heaven, through that. So what the Raman essentially is doing is taking this at concept of Yerushimayim. I believe he's saying, don't just think of it in the, almost the limited context of when you're about to sin, step back, I don't want to sin, God's going to punish me. But rather, almost like this Yerush Haromus, God exists, and I am going to live my life with this overarching concept of God in front of me. Not because I'm afraid of Him, because that's God is part of my life. Not because I, I, I don't want the consequences, but rather the entire range of human activities is part of is part of the divine service. It's part of the divine service. And everything could be, could be part of divine service. And, I, and you live with this awe of God, which allows everything to then be divine service. Again, it's not a fear, but rather it's, a, it's part of bringing everything into the, into the divine service, which we saw also, which we've seen over the course of these shiurim, where the Raman says that it's through every, everything can be utilized to serve God. Everything can be used in the love of God. That's just the way the Raman saw the world. And that's perhaps why the Raman, unlike some others, didn't see a, a difference between learning Torah to access the love of God 
and looking at the world and the sciences to access God. Everything can be used to learn God. In fact, as the Rambam said, you go to sleep at night, that can be used for the service of God. Yiras Hashem becomes a way, the fear of God becomes a way to, to subsume everything, all human activities, into the divine service. So what we're seeing right now is there are three planes of Yiras Hashem, three different ways to approach fear of God. We have it as a mitzvah, well, mitzvah, a mitzvah, a simple mitzvah, fear God. The same we have love God, we have uh, imitate God's ways, we'll see in a few weeks. There's the mitzvah to fear God. We have Yiras Hashem number two as a motivator. We're supposed to love God, we're supposed to fear God so we don't, we don't, do, we don't sin. Fear God so that we, uh, it prevents us from the consequences. And then number three is we have Yiras Hashem as his overarching uh, way of divine, of divine service, of serving God. That, as the Rambam said, the entire range of human activities is included in Yerushalayim. I think it's interesting. What did we say yesterday in Davening? In Birchas Chodesh, we, we ask we, we ask God for a month of Yerushchet and Yerushalayim. Almost saying we want both of them. We want to. We, it's important to have a certain fear of the consequences, but that's not a, that's not enough alone. And educationally, it's never healthy just to have Yerushchet. We want Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim, the sense of living with a sense of awe, a sense of reverence, a sense of everything I'm doing is part of the divine service. I thought that was very interesting as well. So that's part one. Part two is, Rav Lichtenstein, in a very lengthy article, he was asked, if you actually, if you look at the last page, there was, a, there was a book put out a few years ago, one of the Orthodox forums, it was on, the entire, the entire book was, it was a symposium on Yerushalayim in the contemporary age. And if you look at it, there was everything from uh, Yerushalayim and Jewish thought, one, uh, an article about that, there was um, confronting Yerushalayim in Hasidic thought, uh, there was Yerushalayim uh, in prayer, there was Yerushalayim in terms of how to educate nowadays um, in, in a, a curriculum in high, modern Orthodox high schools. It was many different thinkers and teachers throughout the, um, throughout, throughout the modern Orthodox world who c- came together to write this, write this book on Yerushalayim. So they asked of Lichtenstein to write an article on contemporary impediments to Yerushalayim. What are different impediments? Why it's so hard to have a certain, live with a certain awe and reverence and fear of God in today's age. So I, 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 wrote, I jotted down a couple of his ideas. And again, each one of these can be its own sheer, but I just wanted to bring a couple of them down because I think it's, it's what to think about, but why this concept of fear of God is, is, is difficult. And by the way, I think it might get easier as you get older to have a certain awe and reverence. But again, why in the 2023, in the modern era we live, it's hard to live with this uh, a life suffused with Yerushalayim. Where I think if you look back in earlier ages, in earlier days, look even in Europe, you read the diaries, there was a certain like Yira, a certain, and I say Yira, a certain fear, I mean like a certain awe and reverence, a certain idea of like all of life was one of divine service, where God was very much present in their lives. That we have a hard time feeling that, that God is so present in our lives. So this is what he says. He says impediment number one is that the religious experience is significantly interwoven with a sense of dependence. That's the religious experience. It's a sense of de- dependence. He says, but scientific progress has eroded that sense of dependence. And from a certain point of view, at least, we've lost, we, we, we've, we feel very independent. We have what we need. I'll go after the pandemic. At least, I feel like for the first couple of weeks after the pandemic, we probably forgot it already. We realized how much we needed more than just our own ability to uh, look at science and medicine and everything else. But again, the, the, the religious experience is very much, you, it's dependent. You depend on God. You turn to God. You need God. 
And we live in the world we live in now, it's very much about being independent. It's very much we have, again, the scientific process has given us the ability to do things that back then, people just dropped dead. They had no idea why. It was a germ. Now, we know. It's interesting, guys. There, there was an article about a, a year or two ago by a man, Antonio Garcia Martinez. He's a, he was a Silicon Valley, he was in Silicon Valley, he was a, a, um, a CEO of a company. He converted to Judaism. I don't know if it was an Orthodox conversion. And a lot, of his, uh, a lot of his friends thought he was crazy. Like, how can you join a religion? Again, think of where he's, where he's positioned in life. He's in the Silicon Valley. It's like the most you know, progressive uh, religions, re- regressive. What are you doing? So he wrote a rather cynical article. It's two, it's two articles, two, two, uh, part one, part two. But he wrote, he wrote this in the article. It's a, it's again, it's a, it's a very cynical take, but I think it gets, it gets to the root of what it means about independence versus dependence and what it means to think that you know everything. He says as follows, to be absolutely clear, I salute the human urge to explore and explain the universe, and I think we should be doing more of it. Our curious, meddlesome species should poke and pry the ends of the earth and the solar system and beyond. But I find, but, but I find it more than a little cheeky that a species of hairless apes that figured out antibiotics and genes and the full implications of relativity only a few decades ago suddenly declares, yep, we know everything about the origins of this immense universe, despite barely having stepped foot off our rock. And by the way, in addition to, to claiming to have figured out the intricate clockwork of the universe with our big brains, our brilliant species still flips out like chimpanzees over optical illusions, such as the ones my five-year-old loves. I think we are a little high on our own supply here. A certain amount of epistemic humility and understanding of just how little we understand should push us towards a little dispositive conclusions about the true nature of our universe. There's a lot of chachma to that. We don't know every, We still don't know everything. He says another impediment, he says, not just the fact that we lost the sense of de- dependence, is the homeocentric character of modern culture, even the religious component. That everything's about humans. And he spoke with us on Hanukkah. It's all about us and how things should serve us. And even if you look at the... Uh, the reli- the, even it happens in religious life as well. Because there's an overwhelming emphasis placed on human welfare and desire, however defined, as the, as the telos of the good. That it's all about humans, what's best for humans, what's best for me. And in religious life as well, gets refracted through that lens as well. Uh, Rabbi Salvechik has a very celebrated footnote in Halachic Man, footnote number four, where he traces the evolution of religion and religious thought uh, and how it developed this idea of how religion is supposed to serve man and not the other way around. He says, another one is man has become the arbiter of moral and theological truth in the face of traditional authority. And when man becomes the arbiter of traditional, of, 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 um, of theological moral truth, so then where's, where's the place for God? You, start, you lose that awe and reverence for God. He says, I don't he says someone else said this, but I put it in my notes as well. People therefore want a far, people want a more comforting and reassuring God than the sense of recoil and distance that the experience of Yura and awe gives. People want some, uh, a God in heaven who comforts them. And they don't want the God who gives them a sense of awe and reverence. And yes, it's important to have a God who comforts you and the love. We discussed Avas Hashem. There's also a place for the Yura as well. He, say, he quotes C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said, many have noted, because C.S. Lewis noted, many don't want a father in heaven, they want a grandfather in heaven. Um, he, next he says, postmodernism... Uh, that has made all subjective, has left no room for anything to, to be dogmatic or for commitment. Both key factors in Yerushimai, when everything is up to you, 
There's no room for dogma anymore. There's no room for real commitment. So then where are you going to have... Hiroshimaim is all about God telling you to do something. God telling you to believe something. And lastly, he says... And lastly, he says... The cynicism that pervades our culture leaves no room for reverence and thus for yiras hate, for fear, for fear of sin or for awe. And I think that's the, the, the most important one. We live in a culture that's so cynical. So where's the room for reverence? There's no room for reverence. Every, every time there's any awe, in back of our mind we're thinking something. We're, we have this sort of cynicism that pervades our culture. And I think the, the takeaway from all this is, to again, to think about a to create some sort of space in our life where we can block out that cynicism and have a very healthy, almost naive, I would say, relationship with God that allows us that sense of reverence, that allows us that recoil to recognize the infinite God and how we are a puny little human being, both to allow us to have a certain fear of sin and the consequences, which is healthy, but also, I think more importantly, to allow us to take all of our human endeavors and subsume it under the service of God in the sense of reverence, awe, and respect. I wish you all a wonderful week. I've always had trouble using the word 